Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Witch Cafe, your safe place to talk about anything strange, paranormal, fringe, UFO, UAPs, if you're fancy. Tonight, I have the honor of having Leslie Mitchell-Clark, but before I have her introduce herself, I'm going to say thank you to anybody that's listening live and later on or on Anomalous Podcast Network. I appreciate you all. Please subscribe, send any feedback that you can send, leave a review, um, and there's other ways to support the channel in the description, and then also I have Leslie's information in the description as well. Um, I say, I'm going to say hi to Diesel Girl. She is always here. Thank you so much, Diesel Girl. You're amazing. So Leslie, let's get started. Who are you for those that don't know, and what do you do? Well, first of all, good evening, Priscilla. Um, I'm so pleased to be here with you. I've been looking forward to this all week, and I'm just honored to be here and to be able to communicate with your your dear peeps who tune in and other mm -hmm. peeps as well. Um, yes, my name is Leslie Mitchell-Clark, and I am a, a board-certified clinical master hypnotherapist. Um, I am also a neurolinguistic programmer and some other things, but I my work is primarily focused on working with individuals who believe that they have had uh, extra, extraterrestrial contact of some sort. And uh, I also work in other areas of metaphysical hypnosis, past life regression, interlife regression, uh, energy release. Um, and uh, I am also an author. My recent book is called Intersections. And uh, working on a new book coming up not too long from now, I hope. And um, I'm also the host of a long running uh, chat show called Contact TV, formerly Contact Radio. So I, I do a little something a little bit like this as well. So awesome. yeah, and that's and that's kind of what I'm up to. I, I also work in mainstream hypnosis. I work in pediatric hypnosis, pain management, a lot of very practical things. But my main, uh, my raison d'etre is, of course, mm -hmm. uh, working with experiencers. Very cool. And we're very grateful to have you doing that because there's a lot of people um, that are now getting into it, but you've kind of been doing it before like everybody started doing it. So thank you for paving the way for experiencers to do hypnotherapy. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, I I think that, uh, as you said, um, it was just considered very fringe and extremely um, unreliable. But, you know, from we're living in the time of the real-time mapping of the brain. And I think once it was determined in our modern sensibilities that when people go into regression, uh, what is firing in their brains are the deep memory centers, not creative centers of the brain. So it's finally been proved really just from looking at people's brains while they're being regressed and also put into hypnosis is that this is a real, this is, a, it's not even a phenomenon. This is the way we work. We can access memories in my belief system uh, from many lifetimes. We can access memories from our earliest childhood. And, you know, by the way, many, many experiencers are what I would call lifelong experiencers. In, in fact, I think it's actually quite rare for an individual to have only one experience. Uh, if that's all they think they had and that's mm -hmm. all they recall, it, it's usually when we get in there, it usually proves to be a lifetime uh, relationship that's been going on. So um, that is what I do. I'm part of the Experiencer Research Pro, uh, Project founded by and directed by Kathleen Martin, the 
niece of um, uh, Betty Hill, of Barney and Betty Hill fame. And I also work with um, uh, the late Dr. Edgar Mitchell's organization called Free. And I was part of their research as well. By the way, both organizations came to many of the same conclusions. So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no, uh, uh, no big um, disagreement between what they found in a decade-long research project. Oh, wow. That's, that's great. It sounds like, you know, you're putting the work in. Um, so why do you think some people are repeat experiencers? And guys, I will take the last 10, 15 minutes for a question. So if I don't answer you right away and you have a question, I will get to you or we will get to you. Um, so why do you think so many people are repeat experiencers? Well, you know, as I as I said, I do think that most experiences are lifelong experiences or repeat experiences, as as you as you said, and um, I think that the reason that certain people are on the on the radar is something that all experiencers seem to exhibit on some level, which is increased PSI abilities, increased psychic abilities. Um, my feeling about that is that. Um, the language of most beings that engage with each other, most sophisticated evolved beings is a for, is telepathy. So yes. uh, I often compare to say, you know, say you're jo- Jane Goodall and you're in the interior of Africa and you discover some new primate species. And in that new primate species, maybe, you know, five of them have been able to form uh, some kind of humanoid uh, uh, epiglottic throat structures and can actually speak and form words. So wouldn't you spend your time, if you were researching these beings, communicating with the ones that could form words? I think it's a little bit like that. I also Mm -hmm. think that there are generational uh, aspects to this that um, often many generations of individuals have experienced ET contact throughout their lifetimes. And uh, they, I believe they are following the psychic ability is, is, is my feeling. That makes sense because if people, if they're trying to shoot you like a psychic message and you're not receptive to it, or you don't have the, uh, you're not awakened to that ability or aware of that ability, um, then they might as well just leave you alone if you're not going to get it, you know? Yeah. Well, the universe works at the speed of thought. And uh, it's faster than superluminal travel. The speed of thought is what, uh, manifestation of matter, that's what I believe, you know, propels, especially many of the, many of the evolved cultures that we engage with seem to be able to manifest matter through thought. That's why these ships, sometimes they change. The ships that are seen that are seen sometimes seem seem to be not even solid they may change shape or right. morph and i i have heard from the different some of the different individuals that i've worked with that that these some of the craft are literally like thought projections in a sense and there are some beings that that don't travel uh, through space they simply engage through what we would call astral projection or maybe remote viewing or something like that so not everybody gets in a tin can and flies out into space (laughs) right right and that makes a lot of sense you know with uh some of the phenomena that we see happening um like around uh these craft that suddenly Mm -hmm. appear suddenly disappear um, there's disturbances on electrical equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 
meditating one day and my EMF reader started going nuts and mm -hmm. I was outside and I was doing a contact meditation, um, which some people are like, don't do that. You know, I'm like, you can do it. <laughs> Just surround yourself with some light. It's really far simpler than anybody. Believe me, if it's something that you feel like you want to do, you all you've already done it most likely. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the thing. And you can simply, you know, put yourself into a light trance, just breathe a few times and just think to yourself is there a loving, kind being out there that would like to communicate with me? Uh, only if you're coming from a place of love and kindness. And uh, let's communicate and just send your thought out there. And I believe that you will have an answer most yes. of the time. Yes. And you, you know, you have to set your, um, your intention. parameters. You Parameter, have to set yeah. your intention and also your parameters. And I do, I do a lot of call me old fashioned. I do a lot of cleansing because it's my feeling that any kind of metaphysical work that you do has the potential to attract some, to attract, um, you know, beings or, or entities that don't necessarily have the best agendas. So right. it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt just to put some good protection in and call in your spirit guides and other evolved beings when, whenever you're engaging in this in this type of work. I mean, I do it with all hypnosis, but people don't know. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> that may, I, mean, I, I don't know. run around uh, saging, but I do, in <laughs> my, I do in my mind generate white light around the room. And, and that's all you need. People yeah. um, get attached to like a, like plants and crystals and they're beautiful to have. And I love them. You know, we're ritualistic people or we're mm -hmm. humans are ritualistic. So we like having little things to do. But yeah. when you're in a bind, like, what if you're just caught up in the middle of nowhere? I don't know how you get there, but, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere and yeah. you want to meditate, you know? Um, so you have to be able to use your own energy and the energy around you to protect mm -hmm. yourself. Um, we have everything that we need. We are, we are far more evolved than we give ourselves credit for. We just have global amnesia. We've forgotten who we are. We have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten about the supercultures that existed right here on planet Earth. Um, but in our time, and certainly in your time, I'm an old fart, but certainly in your time, um, many, many, many of these things are going to are going to be realized for the the true history that they represent. I was I was actually on Facebook today of all places. Um, the um, <laughs> the mayor in, and I think it's southeastern Turkey where Gobekli Tepe is, but oh, wow. the, the mayor the of, of the, this Turkish mayor completely accepts that Gobekli Tepe, which is the most, one of the most confounding um, uh, archaeological mysteries, uh, was certainly put in place by um, uh, ETs. He believes that. Yeah. And so does everybody else. And we so many now, people at study believe that. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. And we now have more sophisticated ways of dating things. And we're using LIDAR and other things that we didn't have before. And I mean, to be honest, uh, human beings have been walking on this earth for probably 650 million years. A lot, yes. a lot longer than anyone had previously thought. We, I think it's the Mayans that say we're in the fifth age. Um, yeah. uh, you know, there, I mean, obviously when the dinosaurs were wiped out, I think that was a meteor, a meteor shower. There is, and there was the, you know, 
the Great Flood, of course, which was a worldwide event caused by right. global warming. Global warming and a shift in the. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was big chunks. Oh no! Of, I uh, believe you. I'm. Uh, I'm laughing because of my own head. I'm like, and there's people that don't believe in global warming. Like, oh yeah, the Upper Peninsula <laughs> of some state said, "Oh my God, I, the state's blanking." Somebody got snow today. Yeah, and I was my friend. She's all she's in Michigan, up in the yeah. upper in the UP, and she's yeah. like, "What is going on?" She got like she's a dusting of snow, and if it's a cycle, cool, but it's a real thing either way. Like whatever people are thinking, if it's not real, have you checked your weather this month? Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> have it's you looked crazy. at the evidence of the like um like the water wearing around the oh, stinks yeah. that they talk about? Oh They're my like, god. Like, <laughs> so. Graham Hancock was right. The Sphinx lived through a traumatic water uh, flood event and mm. is far older and didn't have a human head on it, most likely. It was made perhaps a, uh, a lion head. Or I mean, there's a lot of uh, different schools of thought about what was there originally, but it was certainly larger. You know, it's been whittled yeah. down into, uh, you know, a, a Cheops or whoever. Uh, but yeah. but it wasn't intended for that. Yeah, all kinds of stuff is, and also <clears throat> because the water levels um, have now decreased up so far um after the great flood you know the the oceanic levels were 300 feet higher than they are now and now they have discovered there's something like 250 ancient mm. ancient uh cities in the subcontinent in india that are just literally just off the coast but have never been seen before I mean, cities that be, cities that make one that are so elaborate, it really starts to give credence to the idea that the um, uh, that certainly the the, the great uh, sagas in the Hindu mm. religions uh, may very easily have been been about actual beings that, yes. lived, that yes. lived that lived amongst the uh, population. And so. all that, all those beliefs tie back into what people are like, I'm going to quotate, you know, learning now what they're discovering. But if you read some of the ancient texts, like the Vedas, they're mm -hmm. actually describing um, what we now know is quantum physics. Oh, yeah. Theories. Um, and they're, the Dalai Lama actually wrote a book about that. And if you know me, you're probably sick of me saying it, but you have to read the book that the Dalai Lama wrote. Um, he went and hung out with some physicists and has and has done so like consecutively year after year. Yeah. And yes. he's like, Oh, well, you're talking about this. Well, we learned this as you know, and it's the same thing. Um, ancient, and those books are so old. Like, how do you and people leave people just discount that? Well, it's deep antiquity and they're written in Sanskrit, arguably the first organized mm -hmm. language, probably the language of the Anunnaki. You know, it's a it's the first really organized language and there are elements of Sanskrit in the world's most ancient okay. uh, uh, languages uh, in in Ireland uh, all Gaelic has okay. Sanskrit in it lots okay. and uh, it's uh, various populations have maintained Sanskrit elements in their uh, in their language but uh, I think that um, all of this is going to become much more apparent and I think in a way that the the beings that generated us and uh, if, and I'm a big follower of the work of Zachariah Sitchin, so, I, and nobody has to accept, you know, I, I leave that open to, I'm not being dogmatic, but in my way of thinking and aligning with the work of Zachariah Sitchin, I believe that we were, uh, we were uh, kind of 
doc, the island of Dr. Moreau style, we were in mm -hmm. fact upgraded from a, uh, a probably some type of Denisovan or uh, early, early uh, hominid like that. Yeah. And um, you, you know something that's really interesting, Priscilla, and this is one of the things that really tells me that we are not a naturally evolved being. In human beings, as we know them, Homo sapiens sapiens, what we are, we are subject to over 3,000 possible genetic errors. You know, I mean, that's a lot. We are subject to at least 3,000 things that can go wrong with our genome. Now, no other animal, uh, be it mammal or reptile or avian, uh, or no other animal on this planet is subject to anything like that. Unless, of course, you know, we're talking about animals that have been subject to pollution or that right. caused we're messing with, issues. that we're genetically yeah. engineering. Right, that things. we're genetically yeah. engineering now. But we we have, uh, we have some, we have, we're not, uh, uh, the genetic modeling was, was imperfect. It was imperfect. And uh, we are subject to illnesses and aging and other things that I think now, probably the Anunnaki, if they're still with us in some form, they probably know now how to fix whatever they didn't do right the first time. But I think, you know, there's a lot of, uh, if you've ever read, um, there's a wonderful uh, historian, archaeologist, great guy from South Africa named Michael Tellinger. And his latest book, which is called Slave Species of the Gods, mm -hmm. also embraces the, uh, the Sitchin uh, philosophies. And he, of course, um, is very involved with the idea that we were created in order to serve the Anunnaki and work in the gold mines and be servants. You know, they they yeah. got away with having slaves when they had actually mm -hmm. outlawed on their planet, their home wow. planet, millennia before. But yeah. the idea the idea is we need labor for these gold mines. We need labor. Right. So what are we going to do? So here's a nice uh, kind of compassionate species of, of ape. Uh, you know, let's get over to the shed and see what we can yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's um, get to the bio shed. <laughs> well, we find a lot of that in the ancient Sumerian um, writings, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's, of stuff like this. And even the pictures, you know. Mm -hmm. The pictures are clear there, and it was it was it was Anki and his sister. They were geneticists, and and Anki's son, and it took a long time, which is why I don't find it hard to believe that there could be many many beings on this planet that are sort of in the crypto, uh, oh, you yes, know, yes. category that were maybe involved with some part of this, uh, these these processes that were going on with genetics. You know, so absolutely. And there's people but, that talk about that. Before we progress, I'm gonna say hi to some people in the chat. Guys, I'm still working with my voice. I've got like forever COVID, or my doctor today oh, is like, You need to get your lung checked. You you sound oh, like you have pneumonia. No, oh, um, no. so we'll see what happens to me, but <laughs> I'm still here for now. I'm sending oh. you healing vibes now. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not going away. It's it's so weird. So hello, Christian, Elena, Cindy, Sansi. And Laura, Diesel Girl, I think that I saw, um, who did I, I see? Laura Sosa, Cindy. I saw Joss in here earlier. I see Neil. I know Joss probably went back to bed because it's like 2 o'clock, but he always pops in to say hi. He's in Europe, so it's 2 a.m. there. <laughs> so thank you to anybody that's new listening that came from 
Robert Earl's channel, Order of Light, such a great community there. Um, thank you for having me in the chat yesterday and all that stuff. I just wanted to say hi to everybody um, while we had a quick opening because I have a lot of questions now. Not even what I was going to ask you originally, but we <laughs> mentioned like, you know, a lot of people kind of because of the way Ancient Aliens show was sensationalized and mm -hmm. made into entertainment, they automatically want to separate from that. But here's the thing. And within those shows, whether you think that there's a lot of Hollywood added into it or production added into it, mm -hmm. there's if you research any of those theories, you're going to find a lot of stuff, especially oh, yeah. the Anunnaki stuff. And you're a past life regressionist, too. Um, so have you met anybody that remembers lives all the way back to Sumeria or even before that? Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. I would have to absolutely say that that, that is the case. I have had individuals um, go back to um, what I would call the ancient civilizations of Lemuria and Atlantis. And I have also had, um, and this is something that I'm seeing more and more of every day. Um, I have also had many individuals who are experiencers, and we touched on this briefly, uh, recall lifetimes that they spent on other planets. Um, not too removed from us, but definitely like different, you know, different flora and fauna, maybe, maybe they're binary, maybe two suns, you know, who knows, but, but different. And, uh, so that is something I'm seeing a good deal of. And something that's kind of interesting, Priscilla, is, um, when, when we do past life regressions, but more commonly in the interlife regression process, which is a, which is based on the work of Michael Newton, and it is a research into what happens to the individual in the between time. In other words, after they leave these physical bodies and go to what we call heaven or the afterlife, and then decide or don't decide to come back in and take physical form. So Michael Newton discovered there were like eight points of commonality in the in the experiences that people have when they when they cross over. And one of the things that seems to be common to all people is that they go before a kind of a council. And this isn't like a disciplinary thing or a punishment or it's, it, you know, it's nothing like that. The council usually is composed of the person's guides or venerable beings uh, to help the individual to um, understand the life that has just happened and to decide uh, if they want to come into the earthly plane again and how they wish to do that. Now these councils, when I first started doing interlife regressions this is quite a while ago and I start as, started asking people to describe the council members, I started hearing um, about these council members being different types of beings like they would describe the being as having an elongated skull or maybe there was a being that was blue i mean it was it was you know it was it was a, the dawning of kind of a realization for me i guess that we're in the same soul group with a lot of beings the, the, I mean, heaven for them is heaven for us. And I think that some evolved beings are, can just pass between 
the the levels of existence that we call the afterlife and also travel into the dense le levels of creation uh the third density where we are now so uh ultimately maybe as beings as souls we have free access to these dimensions and can move about uh fluidly but now in when we when we leave these physical lives and we are greeted by our our beloved family and friends and i think by our doggies and cats <laughs> who are <laughs> greeted by all those that love us uh, real, all, that's real. Yeah. i've seen people's pet ghosts oh, hanging yeah. out with them oh, but you know do. there's our spirit you know whatever term you yeah. like some people don't like the term ghosts but you know um you know what i mean we see they i do. see people's pets sometimes and i'm like did you do you have uh like I, at first i was like am i tapping into like their energy and they have a dog or is this a past dog you know when you're learning yeah when you're seeing these things in real life you're kind of like wait like am i just tapping into your field and getting mm -hmm. information or mm -hmm. is there an actual dog that has yeah. passed and if you ask them i mean this woman for example i saw like a, a chocolate lab looking thing and it was like a mixed i was like do you have like a mixed brown dog that's kind of chocolate left she's like dental hygienist i probably shouldn't have done it as a dentist you know yeah. like, like, that's my dog he passed yeah. away i was like oh my goodness well he's still hanging out by the way and then she well, started crying do. and you know they do i've seen all of my pets my beloved pets after they have crossed at least they come and oh, tell me yeah. and they hang out for a while and and i think that um but i used to have you know that kind of problem is, is I can't always tell if something is residual right or, or is a what we call an intelligent haunt you know or as okay. you said whether whether when you're seeing an animal is that an imprint from an animal from 1865 or right. is that a con an animal who was consciously here to be with its owner I it, it took me a while to really distinguish those kinds of things and and exactly. still it, I sometimes have seen spirit and I and I thought that they were of, they looked a fully flesh and blood to me. Yes, yes. I have had that happen too. When I was at a, I, I'm, I'm in Toronto and I was at a very well-known pub and I was just sitting there getting ready to order. And I looked up and I saw a waiter. I mean, as physical as you can imagine, a big beefy guy with a bald head. And he had like, <laughs> he had those garters on his sleeves, you know, to yeah. keep, and, and he was wearing a, a, a kind of a neck to floor apron of the style that uh -huh. they don't wear now. And he, yeah. walked, he walked right past me and then he walked through the wall and that was it. But I, but I thought I, I, I my mind was telling me this is a physical person. Yeah. And I, I swear, I even heard his steps and he just went right across. And and now I that seemed like an intelligent haunt to me. That seemed like somebody who wanted to be there and wanted to show right. themselves to me uh, on right. some level. And I later found out that 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 building was so old and had been a hotel and pub for so long that the, the area where I was sitting had a ladies entrance because that's uh, unescorted ladies could go into a pub but they had to use a separate entrance oh, to go okay. in and so he was he was taking care of the ladies section that's oh wow doing. that's awesome yeah isn't that it's funny? kind of fun right you know yeah um my we were camping through canada um the west side of canada because we drove from arizona mm -hmm. to alaska like my husband and i got married on a wednesday and we moved for military purpose stuff 
from we PCS is what's called when you move the military. Mm -hmm. We PCS to Alaska like that. Like we got we had our wedding. The next day the movers came, took all our stuff, and then we left like the next day on our road trip through um, you know, the western coast of US and then it, mm -hmm. through Canada. We're at this uh this random campground and my husband's like, Don't freak out, but I just saw a ghost. And he's like, I just saw a guy walk like by a car. I nodded at him, he nodded back, and he didn't come out the other side of the car. Oh yeah. Oh so. yeah. <laughs> Alaska is pretty haunted. Uh, you know, I've been I've been there, and I even took a cruise up the coast of Alaska. Oh, Alaska yeah. has got some very uh, active uh, ghost activity, and I also think, of course, you know, the Alaska Triangle is there. Oh yes, I, yeah. I believe that there is a massive uh, secret base run by both ETs and humanoids right there in the Alaska yes. Triangle. I don't There's know a how to research about that. Oh gosh, yes, and, and that really quite a good television series i was watching i liked it. it i liked it uh some of the, you know it's like any you know series guys you're gonna be like come on the actor you know but the stories in it you can you can back research it the gentleman that was flying that saw that circle oh um, gosh yes. oh my goodness he was flying was over the something. triangle his you know his instruments you know classic bermuda triangle stuff but in alaska classic stuff. you know um his his flight instruments well he had to manually fly this thing and that's freaking scary um but there's so much stuff going on in Alaska. And when I lived there for three years, I only had like spirit experiences and a couple of orbs. I'd seen some in like ships in the sky, like the orb type. Um, but I, um, I had more, I was dealing with like a really nasty spirit where we live. So mm -hmm. I think that took a lot of my time, but that in university, mm -hmm. I wasn't, you know, and I was honestly like, I wasn't very, I had like a good open stage, but I wasn't practicing. Like I wasn't meditating as much as I should have. Mm -hmm. Um, I was focusing on school and my internship. I was doing like the 3D stuff. So, um, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's people. There's so many places on this earth that are just like hubs for this sort of thing, you know? Oh um, my goodness. And who knows what's going on out there at Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. And, and um, also, uh, oh my goodness. What is, the, the, what is the other place? I believe it's an in interior piece. Uh, the place that's in Interior BC is called the Something Ranch. It's not the Skinwalker Ranch, but it's um, they have amazing amounts of sightings there, and you can actually go there and they have like a lodge. Oh gosh, why can't it? There's can't one remember. in Arizona, and then there's one in uh, there's one called Blind Frog Ranch as well in Utah, I believe. I'm, I'm, there's I can't think of the name of one in Arizona right now, but there's. There's more places than people realize. Like, and the thing is, like, this land has kind of sat left alone by indigenous people because they know better. They don't want to live there when there's all this activity. It's like a sacred land because they're like, okay, there's these beings there. Yeah. We're going to leave them alone. Yeah. And then here comes some guy with money and just buys the land, mm -hmm. not realizing that he's buying a freaking portal or something, you know, like a could be. could be very much because, you know, this is all, you know, again, here we have, you know, the, the native peoples who are mysterious. I, I believe they are the descendants of the Atlanteans and they, and they also go way back to ancient, ancient times. But here we have, you know, the situation where the native peoples, I believe have relationships with the ETs that are that are amicable and go back and back and back into the into the mists of their time. Um, in fact, um, 
you know, there is a there was a location um, not very far from Toronto, a couple hours, the Six Nations Reserve, it's called, and uh, those Indigenous people conduct ceremony to call in the ETs. Yeah. So if they're told to stay away from someplace because there's something going on, they stay away. There, like you said, yes, there's I mean, that respect of the land and who, who's there, the land, what's there, and, yeah, yeah, and who's there and what's there, and the native peoples themselves, uh, the ancient beings, you know, they have, I believe, they are able to create energy beings like skinwalkers, you know, yes, just through yes. through intention, through powerful magic, and uh, I don't think I don't think there's anything mythological about that. I think that that is a fact. No, in that, Arizona, uh, you'd hear about it all the time because people are driving through the desert to these uh, Bradshaw Ranch is the one in Arizona. Logan Black, mm -hmm. thank you. I couldn't remember the name, <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember hearing about that my whole life. My dad's side's uh, native, Arizona native, oh. um, and. I, I did not, they didn't live on the reservation. They did. And then they came to, so we didn't have the reservation experience, but they, mm -hmm. um, you know, years later when I finally connected with that side of the family after my dad passed, it was like, um, me hearing some people's stories and, you know, um, some of the stories can only be passed down by word of mouth. You're not allowed to write them down. Right. Um, but there's also always been that the Navajo, I had took a class on Arizona natives just to learn about who, you know, history of it. And he was talking about like, um, they, you always would hear about skinwalkers. Like if you're driving out this way, even if you're like leaving the zoo at night, because the zoo was kind of like in land that used to be native mm -hmm. land. Like mm -hmm. don't, if you see something out there, don't look at it, you know, um, don't even talk about it. And you're not even allowed to talk about it on this around this time of year because you know what's going to happen. And you're like, no, I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? It's just you, you're, what you speak of carries this resonance. And it's so quick to like manifest if it's a oh, being. Yeah. It can be. In fact, there was, um, uh, this is a little bit different than a native tradition, but the exact same kind of thing. There were a number of psychics that got together, uh, and this was in the 60s, I think it was quite a while ago, including the late Sylvia Brown, and this happened in England. And they were, these psychics were experimenting with the idea of creating what the, what the, um, uh, what the Tibetans call a tulpa, which is, oh, yep. you know, a, a being uh, created, animated out of intention, just kind of like what we're talking about. And so they decided what they were going to create, you know, and and what the characteristics so characteristics are going to be. So they manifested this, like, uh, say, a, you know, a, a 13th century friar in a, you know, a, 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 like a priest with a, you know, rope around his robe and the whole thing. And, and he was a nasty, mischievous little bugger. And I don't know how they finally got rid of him, but they, they, they caused, they, this being that they created was not controllable in any kind of way. Wow. And uh, uh, did all kinds of pranking and, and, and kind of like poltergeisty yeah, stuff. A trickster, and yeah, a trickster. A trickster. <laughs> I think they finally dematerialized him somehow, but oh my goodness. So, and th this was just, you know, here we got a bunch of, you know, Anglicans and, and Catholics, right. what have you, you know, just without any religious, <laughs> without any religious. I'm sorry, thing. I'm just picturing these Catholics, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, what it, happened it, to Friar Jack? Why is he asking yeah. like that? <laughs> he was a tulpa, but uh, 
Yeah, it's it's an intention, intention, manifestation, thought. It's it's not it's the way matter occurs is thought manifests, creates uh, matter. Uh, we create our world. It's a manifestation. Makes you wonder about like all the beings we saw as children. I don't know. I'm not going to say we like everybody says it, but at the most basic level, these kids. You know, a children's a child's imagination is so real. It's like they're accessing all these other things, and the imaginary friend sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had one. Will have yeah. poltergeist activity, and some mm -hmm. of us have imaginary friends that you find out later are these other beings, or you know, like manifested out of thin air. Like mm -hmm. you know, Nathaniel. That's so funny. You just popped in. Um, Nathaniel, hey, how's it going? Thanks for coming. He um, he turned me on to the Apocryphon of John, and I was reading that last night before bed, and holy cow, mm -hmm. my dreams were wild. But, um, yeah, that, that talks about manifesting things. Like, part of it talks about um, making these spirits or these beings out of, like, out of, you know, just making them without asking, like, the the most divine spirit, which would in this book is God, you know. So it's interesting to think about stuff like that. Um, yes, and there's also in the, you know, in the Kabbalah, in the Jewish tradition of Jewish mysticism, there is uh, what they call a golem, uh, not the same as, you know, the Hobbit in the... <laughs> Not the same as Lord of the Rings, but you said I his believe, name now. I know. I, I think. There's, oh wait, that I, was Harry Potter. Never mind. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I got my yeah. nerd, my nerd wisdom mix. You got your nerd wisdom mix, but th <laughs> this uh, this creature, it's G O L U M, is what uh, what it is. But it is a being that can be animated. It gets made out of earth or clay, and then it can be animated into doing the bidding of the village I have read by, about that, yeah. by putting some ancient um, uh, Hebraic uh, Kabbalic symbols or uh, and and placing it in the being's mouth oh, and uh, so yes this yes. goes way back but it is again the idea of, of of creating through will through intention and the idea that it's supposed to bring uh, vengeance in fact there's a very right. famous play called I think it's called I think it's called Verna's got Velma's got a Velna's got a golem about a, a, nice. a, an, an Easter an Eastern village where they create this thing and it goes on yeah. a rampage. So and a lot of anyway. witchcraft books have that in there too. A lot of like um, that's I when you're talking about it, I'm like oh, that's where I heard it um, in Hoodoo. Um, the mojo bags and the poppets are created, and you you breathe spirit into these things, mm -hmm. whether it be an herb. You know, like the mojo bags are just little bags, but it has like a root in it mm -hmm. and you bring it to life and the root has its own spirit that you're and it's very you don't know what if you're not doing it correctly. And I don't even do stuff like that often because I'm not trying to control any demons or spirits, like <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I don't want if you're a spirit, I'm not going to put you in a bottle and use you, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, it there's we find stuff like this throughout history through different belief systems. Even oh, yeah. at Catholic, Catholic Church, like the body of Christ, the body and blood of Christ, even, you know, like they're well, invoking this into it. And obviously that's a lot more lighthearted than, um, you know, necromancers and stuff like that. But Indeed. But, you know, the body and blood of Christ, that actually that actually goes to that goes back to an Egyptian um, uh, celebration of mm. um, um, 
of their gods. And uh, it, it, it was Osiris who was who was cleaved into different body parts and thrown all over the place. So the idea of the a host, you know, that as Catholics that we and when I was a kid, things were very primitive and we were taught that we couldn't we couldn't chew or bite the host because of that, because <laughs> oh, it yeah? actually transformed into you gotta a, let it dissolve <laughs> of flesh of jesus which is a little bit disturbing <laughs> and you don't know, drink the whole communion wine guys no, no, you'll you get sent to the principal's that. office we didn't even have the wine just the priest back in the day but this business of the parishioners drinking the wine during communion is also kind of a newer than it used to be but anyway that's that ceremony that was venerating osiris the the worshipers they had little wafers that were made in the shape of like little arms and little legs and torsos and heads <laughs> like the parts of Osiris and the worshipers would take a blessing and eat a body part wow. and and so you know the idea of communion being described as we celebrate it you know um, in the Bible I have a lot of um, I have a lot of uh, questions about that. I don't think Jesus really described it. Do this in memory of me. That could have been. Yeah. That's pretty wide I don't open. Know. I think we're we're as you said. We love ritual. We yes. love ritual and. And some rituals have been so strong in our culture that they have survived in some very strange ways. And Holy Communion is one of them. It is it is the residue of an Osiris uh, worship. Interesting. Um, yeah, I grew up Catholic with a grandma that was doing sneaky spiritual medium stuff on the side. So um, <laughs> like the, the egg cleanse where you take like the egg and you're like... <laughs> You throw it in water and see how many people are hating on you, basically. Um, yeah, I remember I caught my grandma did that to my great grandma. I'm like, what are you guys doing with the egg? And I was super little. And they're like, mind your own business. I was like, bye. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't you teach me that? I need a egg cleanse from time to time. It's it's interesting how because they were Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. All over culture eggs, right? Um, I remember an anthropology class, and this is a little off topic, but we said egg. <laughs> so um, they actually practice genital mutilation on a female to make it resemble an egg because it's a sign of fertility. And there's like a big uproar about that. There's been for a long time. But mm -hmm. I remember I took a lot of anthropology classes um, as electives because I thought they were interesting. But my I was a science major, but I wanted to know anthropology, um, different religions and stuff like mm -hmm. that as well and cultures. So that was something that was like the darker side of it but on a lighter side we we see the egg as just so many different things throughout so many different cultures and if you think about it like you could like it's so nourishing to us like you could literally survive off an egg you know mm -hmm. it's so uh, yeah. it's pretty amazing and and eggs seem to take i remember my my grandmother and my great-grandmother who were who did some stuff with eggs too so i i guess that is a and the natural the natural elements must be very powerful yes, uh, when, you're, when you're working with them, I would imagine. But, you know, as far as the Catholicism thing, you know, I mean, really the, the great uh, being raised as Catholic, but the great one of the ways that the Catholic Church really exceeds is they're great marketers and they were able mm -hmm. to take all the primary pagan holidays and attach them to uh, Christian worship so that they didn't have to fight 
with the people. I mean, the people could still have their, you know, in Ireland, uh, they could still have their uh, Samhain, you know, their fall festival, but it becomes attached to uh, All Saints Day. All Saints Day, uh, yep. I remember know, dressing right? up as my favorite saint. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it was, and that is really uh, All Hallows Eve, and, and, and it is a, is it, it is a uh, mystical time that is celebrated by every pagan culture. So they took, they, they didn't fight the having the holiday they just switched it up and, yeah uh, yeah I mean, that's smart you know smart you know the work's done for you yeah i kind of wanted to transition because i wanted to get your thoughts since you're um you know a lot about the brain and how it works and it's more subtle forms that we don't think about every day in the mind and consciousness mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about um the sleep paralysis that people experience um, that revolves around some sort of uh, entity attack or even like a, an abduction scenario versus the, the the type of sleep paralysis you have where you're like, it's just a physiological thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think for many people, it would be very difficult to tell the difference because sleep paralysis is very frightening, even just the physiological aspect of it. So um, now, for those of you, who, probably all your listeners are hip to this, but sleep paralysis occurs because when we when we enter sleep, we also uh, release paralytics that keep our muscles from moving and keep the neurological responses from happening when we're asleep. Otherwise, we would be acting out our dreams, if you can imagine. That's what we would be doing because the subconscious mind does not know the difference between being asleep and being awake. So how our perfect bodies work is they literally turn off the synapses by releasing these these chemicals that keep us from moving around not that we can't move a little bit but you know like getting up and walking and that kind of thing doesn't happen now sometimes albeit rarely sometimes a person can come to consciousness before these paralytic chemicals have had a chance to wear off for most people, they most people probably never experience anything like that. But if you've ever had it happen, it's very scary because you can't move and you are in a kind of an altered state. So that purely physiological thing can be very uh, convincing of high strangeness, even though it it may not be at its essence. Now, however, that being said, it is quite common for people who are experiencers to often discuss um, feeling paralyzed or being made to be paralyzed as they're either floated out of the ceiling or through the window. This this thing of not being able to move, I believe, is I believe that certain ETs can release chemicals in our brain, which uh, will will do that job and some people don't completely go unconscious they are they stay wide awake and yet they cannot move and they're having these this frightening experience so um these are two different things they're both equally okay. frightening and i believe that it does happen in some abduction scenarios and it is terrifying and it has been described to me and it is a kind of a paralysis that can right. be by certain ETs, some of them, some of these little 
gray bastards, you know. <laughs> uh, some of these little gray bastards even have a kind of a thing that's been described as, as like a wand. Yeah, you know, they're the I, fancy ones. They get wands. Yeah, <laughs> fancy ones get wands, and this wand can, you know, it can just touch you, and you'll be yeah. out. Or it can also is is also seems to be capable of opening a vortice mm. at will. In other words, you know, they're not going to come in. They don't need to come in through, you know, an unlocked door. They can open yeah. a dimensional uh, a, a portal at will, I believe. That's very interesting. And I think I've been using, like, sleep paralysis to explain some of the stuff that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. But I think that I should probably start leaving, stop calling it that because... It feels like I'm paralyzed, but I'm awake, but my eyes are stuck closed or I open them and then I'm paralyzed and the stuff starts happening. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's not exactly sleep paralysis, but it's it's easier to explain to people at that, you know, because some I felt I thought everybody yeah. had that. Like, you know how when you have sleep paralysis, but this time it was different because, you know, I actually woke up, but I couldn't move. And they're like, no. I'm like, oh. Yeah, not every not everybody has that. But what I would say is, you're probably becoming aware at the end of the experience. Yes, and that's why you're some of these symptomatic things of not being able to move and that and not being able to open your eyes. That that's almost like think of it as an anesthetic wearing off. That's, that makes sense. You're probably becoming aware a little sooner than they would like. So a couple of people that I've met have have done hypnotic regression for abduction experiences um, because they started having some sort of, uh, you know, dream recall almost mm -hmm. like in their dreams. They started maybe the first couple of times they thought it was a nightmare mm -hmm. um, or, you know, like in my case, I'm like, why am I dreaming? Like, you know, like I, I read about this stuff all the time, so I'm going to dream about it. But, you know, there's certain differences you can spot. Um, if you work with your dreams, but a lot of people will start wondering like, well, okay, so like, yeah, I was, I read some article, I had a weird dream. It was really scary. Fine. But then they, it, it starts getting more real and they keep having the dreams mm -hmm. and then they go see a regressionist and mm -hmm. they were like, wow, like they find marks on themselves even. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like the, it was a dream, but they're almost just like in a dreamlike state when this is happening um but they well i think i i think there's a couple things going on there too first of all i think that many well many people i know this for a fact many people come to me kind of in midlife um and they usually come just as you said because they are having partially recalled memories and usually when you start talking to these individuals, you're also going to find missing time, uh, insomnia, and various other things that are just symptomatic of, of um, having these experiences. Um, so I, I think that also it's impossible to block memories forever, right? I, I don't believe that a memory can be suppressed forever by an outside force, unless you're talking about some kind of damage to the hard drive. You know, that's not what I mean. I mean, some kind of, some kind of blocks that are used by our collaborative ET military programs. Uh, they say that they only last for 20 years because they didn't think that they would need to suppress anybody's memory beyond that. So there's usually a point where these, 
memory blocks, if they have been used either to protect us from worrying about what's going on or to, for whatever reason they were used, they begin to, um, they begin to destabilize, they begin to, to dissolve. And once that happens, um, that is usually, once it starts to happen, that is the most common time that somebody comes to see me. And yes, there are, I think, some experiences that people have are, are totally physical in the way we think of physicality. And what I also seem, and this is, again, supported by the research that everybody that does what I do has been doing, what we seem to see is that... Um, eventually the experiencer doesn't need to be taken or isn't taken anywhere or at least not very often and most of the experiences experiences happen in the etheric body naturally like a kind of bilocation that was and my next question <laughs> yeah. so yes yeah, please talk about that doing. yeah and they're in and that sometimes they are collaborating they're working on different projects with but ETs or ETs and humans, other beings that are projecting themselves and are in an etheric form. So the the levels of vibration that many of these experiences are going to um, allow them to interact and work and have a whole nother life almost in their what we would call their etheric body or their spirit body i call it mm -hmm. a psychophysical body because it, it mm -hmm. does it does feel so physical to them and they can even as you say there can even be experiences where they come back with a scar or, or right. an implant or something that that occurred in the etheric body right and because one of my questions for the longest time was can they just abduct your uh consciousness you know um, we don't know enough about it I think the first person I asked about that was Nathaniel Gillis because he seems to be more open to that question. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, it's it's weird, like to think that they can just take our consciousness and do it, use it for good or scary. And you know, who says the scary things are inherently evil? Maybe they're just scary because yeah. it's weird to us. I think um, we go willingly. You know? I think that most of us doing this work and most experiencers have come in to be part of this exciting, mm. dynamic, amazing shift in vibration of, of this planet. I think that we have most experiencers, when you get down to it, when you take them back to the age of three or whatever, or the interlife, they have made a plan to be here now and for to play whatever role that right. might entail. So um, some people have traumatic experiences. Um, you know, some of us have good experiences, but some people have had traumatic experiences where they'll straight up say these beings um, were very demonic, not saying like the traditional horned demon that we see illustrated in our culture, but, you know, the intentions of what we would consider demonic in Western culture, not like a daemon like in Japanese, you know, um, lore or, you know, Eastern religions, but, you know, like something more menacing. Mm -hmm. um, what would you, how do you, what would you say to somebody that's had the more traumatic side of well, the, the coin? Well, I, uh, I would just tell you the statistics that we found through MUFON and FREE 
about 10% of experiencers reported ecstatically wonderful experiences. And another 10% recorded terrifying negative experiences or frightening experiences. So the other 80% was just kind of a mix of, oh, okay. You know, it was like, it's, it's, it's really, yeah. <laughs> so the, so the actual amount, uh, so I think what's important to look at here is how few, how few experiencers are reporting these, right. a traumatic event. Now I am not going to say that that didn't happen to those dear people yeah. who have been through these things. I believe as above, so below. I think that there are uh, beings that either try to come here, maybe they're coming here illegally, who knows? They may, they may <laughs> be in. coming, sneaking in, they may be yeah. coming for our, uh, you know, some, uh, some DNA samples, they may want our minerals, we don't right. know. But, and uh, so that is entirely possible, but I don't think it happens very frequently and also um i would say that um some of some people are terrified by uh, reptilian beings and there are many good reptilian beings and it's just so it's just such a mind-blowing idea for some humanoids that there could be a bipedal sophisticated humanoid-like being that that evolved directly through the reptilian line rather than the mammal mammalian line. But I think it's entirely possible. Um, uh, listen, just to give you an idea, I mean, there's such a variety of things going on. D did you ever have a chance to interview that lovely man, the great Paul Hellier? He he passed away not too long ago. He no. was okay. Well, he was. I've, I'm familiar with his work, but I um, I I haven't had the podcast very long. Okay. And he's one of those names, like, I wanted to wait, you know, I even waited yeah. to reach out to you until, oh. uh, you know, and Michelle, uh, your your agent actually mm. suggested that I, I uh, talk to you. I was oh. like, she's not going to say yes to me, but, you know, of she course. did. So you did. Of um, course. But, yeah, he's one that I would have loved to talk to, but go ahead and say what you were oh. going to say about him. Well, bless his heart. He was uh, right deeply involved in the Canadian government. He was what we call the Minister of Defense. And he was also a vice premier, which is like um, uh, like a governor of, uh, of the, <coughs> excuse me, province of Ontario. So he was really deep in the government. And, and he was one of the individuals who was involved in that very first landmark uh, press conference that happened in, in DC some years ago, where they brought a lot of witnesses and it was quite something. So Paul Hillier told me not long before he died, <coughs> excuse me, he told me that um, to his knowledge, the Canadian government at that time, when, uh, when he was working with, when he was a, when he was a big politico, they had agreements and um, full diplomatic relations with at least 80 different species. That's eight zero. Now, <laughs> that was some years ago. And if he's talking about 80 different species in Canada, obviously the same species are going to be having diplomatic relations probably with the U.S. and, and various other countries as well. So I, and, and um, I know that uh, Captain Randy Kramer, who's a very fascinating guy, he's, he's, uh, you know, was part of what we would call the Black Ops, the Secret Sur the secret mm -hmm. Soldier Program. Um, you know, he told me that um, that uh, still we have many, many treaties with 
all kinds of species, but we pretty much, he said, we pretty much control who comes into our solar system. So, oh, you know, so we don't have to feel as fearful as we do. There is a Gene Roddenberry, if I'm to believe everything I hear, there is a Gene Roddenberry-like United Federation of Planets, or okay. yeah, and, it, and and we're not, you know, I think they're waiting for us to uh, to be able to be accepted as viable members, but but just look at us warring, We're a hot mess. <laughs> abusing each other and and you know our our fears and our our primitive uh, tribal bullshit that is still going on yeah. it's tribal bullshit it so really um it, you know it's it's going to be very interesting to see what is going to happen but i do believe this is what i have heard is that now and there was some kind of big um what's the word a big uh, landmark delineation that we reached a while ago where now we have more people on the planet who are enlightened than less as astonishing so you know it is possible now a shift of consciousness is now possible but um you know we're we're dealing with um a lot of um a lot of uh, old boys clubs and a lot of uh, yeah, old farts and and, yeah. and and greed and all of this stuff that uh, people don't are you know don't want to move ahead they don't want free energy they're terrified right. they want, you know trump wanted to go back to coal you know i mean yeah let's go down the mine laddie <laughs> go down the mine once again laddie for god's sake so <laughs> you know, People black lung unnecessarily. Yeah, Our more black lung. Not horrible enough. <laughs> more black lung. That's what we need. Yeah, oh we need more. God. We need more dark smoke in the air. We need it more. Good yeah, it's. God. Uh, but ooh, it's um, hard, you know. It's hard living right now, and you. A lot of the people that are open are not even. I feel like it's so hard to be accepted as part of society when you even start talking about this. Like just last year, like before all the, you know, government stuff came out and, you know, there's the camp of, oh, we're not going to wait for the government because I do think that we have disclosure in our hands that are not government. Yes. But it's still, right. some people need the government to acknowledge it for them to open their mind to the possibilities. So it's just like everybody has a role, but it seems like if you're in the enlightened camp or you're opening up spiritually or um, opening up to the energies around you and what's happening, opening up to the possibility how connected we are, um, people laugh at you. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear the, you know, they want to hear things that they can hold about things that they can hold in their hands. They want to hear about things that can be proven to them. And well, unfortunately, those in power, like you said, are the old boys. Like they want their money. They're not well, going to give yeah, up their money. They you know, want their like money. Those crusty old dudes. They want. So it their makes money. it seem like people aren't yeah. waking up to the to you know. They will. Those old guys are dying off, and so are their so are their philosophies. I have a lot of faith in the young people. They hate elite. They hate elitism, and they're very they active in in saving the planet and in nature. I, I think I have a lot of faith in the kids coming up now. And you know, after all, you know, free energy is a reality. We had it before the pyramids or the artificial mountains as the sumerians called them they were part of a massive power grid that, that existed all over what at the time was the civilized world these pyramids these pyramids in mexico they were all part of a global 
free energy system, harnessing earth energy. And Tesla experimented with it. He knew it was happening. That's what he wanted to do. He was shut down every time he turned around. That poor man. Yep. He, and, you know, and his work's missing. A lot of his work is missing. His so. work is missing. And they even went... <laughs> yeah. Even yet, and there was a rumor that it had been taken, you know, by uh, by the Serbian government, and was in some kind of storage facility. And some researchers <laughs> went over there, and they said, "No, we don't have anything." And uh, you know, but the poor man, yeah, <laughs> that, that his his stuff was removed from his little from his little apartment. I know it's know. so painful to think about for me to think about how alone he was. You know what I, I mean? Um, I know a brilliant man, and because people weren't open to that type of thinking i think that he may have you know and people that are open to stuff like that that are open to the energies around them that are open to knowledge and beings that nobody else sees mm -hmm. um they come under they have a lot of mental health things happening to them like mm -hmm. they their mental health is hard to keep like healthy and well, and yeah. the poor man you know add addiction into that to cope with your brilliant mind that you, he's seeing the world completely different than anybody else is saying it. And it's just so, I get so sad when I, I don't know why I even care if it's gone, but you know, like I, well, I get so sad thinking about him alone dying like that. And the people just coming in and taking his stuff, you know, uh, and it's <laughs> awful. And, you know, he didn't really have a balance in his life of yeah. family and support. And no. as far as I can tell, you know, he was, he was, sort of a lone guy out there, whereas even, you know, Einstein, you know, was a womanizer and had been married a couple times. <laughs> well, but and the he, second you know, he veered away, he was isolated again. Remember towards the yeah. end of his career when he started thinking outside of his own box? That's he very was like, true. People, he's like, I'm just like an old man in socks. I can't remember the exact quote, but, you know, mm -hmm. he, that stuff only lasts for so long. And I'm sure Tesla was pulling in the ladies, you know, he's a, he's a poet. Well, <laughs> you know? been, he would have been uh, quite a challenge, I'm sure. Quite a, he's, quite he's a challenge. Like, he's like a modern rock star. You know, the rock stars yeah. now, like, people are like, they're a hot mess. <laughs> but yeah, was. it really hurts. It just hurts my soul to know that the poor man died so tortured, you know, um, very much like Edgar Allan Poe. Mm -hmm. Um and he, it's just different times, different things, but you know, <laughs> you know, Indeed. like Tesla was like a, a science poet and we have Edgar Allan Poe that I think about too. And he was just like a poet poet and they both lived in these almost like they were, they had like one foot here and the other foot in another world mm -hmm. or another dimension. And they're mm -hmm. trying to tell people about this and how lonely is that? Because most people aren't receptive. And I think it's because of our online connection and because of all the isolation we were forced to have the past couple of years, we've connected, we've found a way to connect um, virtually. We have. And you know, it may not, I think that we really need to look at, um, you know, the whole online thing, email communication as a natural step. I think it may be that every, where we are right now, these things are like training wheels for becoming a, a telepathic society, which yeah. is eventually what will happen. We're on the training wheels now. We can communicate almost with the speed of thought by choosing to log on at the same time or by, you know, we, it, yeah. we are having these incredibly sped up communications. And, and this is part, I don't think it's a bad part. I think it's a part that every civilization has gone through. This yeah. kind of thing. I do. Any evolved well, Think about what we're doing now. Like the phone was already, the telephone, the old, the old school telephone when it first came out was revolutionary mm -hmm. to begin with. 
but now we're seeing each other. Um, I could send you healing energy if I wanted. I could burn some sage right now and give mm -hmm. it to you because it's. Mm -hmm. I don't think that these things abide by our rules. They're non-local. Um, they are non-local. The power of thought and the power of intention is non-local. And you can absolutely do that. If I couldn't do that, I couldn't work with people in hypnosis virtually through Zoom. I'm able somehow uh, where they're able to project their needs to me. And then I hopefully am able to give them what they need. But it's non-local. It really is. Yes. I and, and it was and when we first were so shut down, it was exhausting for me. I've I've never done so much uh, hypnosis online. I've always done it somewhat because we've had Skype and a few of these things right, for a right. while, but <laughs> it certainly wasn't a big no. part of my thing. And, no. suddenly, and remember Skype back in the day, you'd be trying oh, to talk to somebody. God, it was <laughs> the worst. It was just the worst. And I wouldn't do it because you'd be working with someone and then it the inevitable Skype would crash, the inevitable crash right, would happen, right. which it always did. But <laughs> what, but what I found is at first I thought, um, this feels like I'm sending my energy and it's crashing into the screen and not yeah. getting through. But I just had to kind of, you know, refresh the way I was thinking about it. And when I started to think non-locally, um, it started to work better okay. and and i stopped being so exhausted right. I, I i somehow you know got it a little bit and didn't let you were didn't, in a, didn't let the technology working easy like you were doing less like work you know like in a way not like you weren't working in a but sense, you weren't yeah. trying so hard to understand it you were just exactly. doing it just and that's when we run flow. into so much trouble right you know we want to yeah. know everything like i want to know everything and it will keep me up all night. So it's one of those <laughs> things where it's just like, just chill and let things happen. You know, <laughs> like I had to tell myself when I was like, you just got to stop wanting things. Even knowledge right now, like at bedtime, you just got to like become Buddhist and just like detach yeah, from everything. That's, right. that's, just, that's the root of your to. suffering. You're attached to finding this mm -hmm. out and finding that out, you know. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's there'll be time to name all the demons later, but oh, right man. now you need to take a nap, you know, or the ETs, whatever your situation is. So the, yeah, the monkeys, <laughs> of the monkeys of the mind are are hard to calm down sometimes, and we do. We have a lot of noise going on around us. We're mm -hmm. very active beings, and we're very curious, and that's just who we are. We're curious yeah. and we're social and we're, uh, you know, and we're hedonists and we're and we're metaphysical and we're all these different things. But I think and you touched on this so brilliantly a little bit earlier. We we are one. We are one organism. We are one. Our souls are all attached in this quantum entanglement. And once we start thinking about other beings as being other or different, that gives us permission to treat them differently yeah, and be hostile or fight or say, you know, any of these things. So this separatism is an illusion. And again, it's probably a tribal right that we have to go through as people, uh, as beings. There may be some 
tribalism that just has to be that may be a part of our brain development right. i'm not sure but what i do know is we we are now at the time where we have choice it's a universe of free choice we can choose to ascend we can choose to be mindful we can choose to release hateful thoughts and instead generate positive thoughts we have choices every single day so we are not victims we are living in a world that has been manifested by all of us and some of the manifestations are are angelic and some of the manifestations are hell and um and this is our job we have to clean up our own backyard we wow, have to yes. we ha we have to clean up our own backyard we have to we have to understand ourselves and begin to evolve one person at a time and one person can make a difference you know they did some amazing the at the maharishi university did some amazing experiments about the power of meditation and they have found that even if they had only a, a couple of uh regular meditators within within a crowd that the entire field would elevate mm. around all of the beings, you know, sense. how many. So we can affect, we can absolutely affect change. We do not need to spend time worrying about fear. And one of the things that is so important to me and, and a message I just really wanted to get through today before we go, I know we've just got a couple more minutes, but mm -hmm. I wanted to I wanted to get the idea across that there is nothing to fear. Now, even if you have some recollections and some of them, some of the things that you are remembering seem fearful, most likely if you were to have a regression and go in there to explore or even explore in your own by putting yourself in a meditative state, many people can do that. However you explore, when you begin to really have a recollection of what actually occurred it's it's probably going to be very very different from what you thought and because one of the big kernels of truth that we have found is that many of us as i said earlier doing this work are here by choice but we lose sight of that when we're having our human childhoods yes well thank you that was actually a great kind of a ending commentary. And what do you have coming up next, Leslie? Where will you be next? Um, I know you said you're working on a book and definitely like I, my goal to, is to enter, interview authors was kind of like one of my main goals for this channel. Oh, so um, I would love, once you get your new book ready to come out, I would love to have you on. I'd so you love talk to talk about that. Um, and so any closing thoughts besides that? That was great. Where are you going to be next? Are you going to be on any other podcast? Or when's your next podcast? I have your <laughs> website in the description so people can oh, find you. Oh, thank you. But what's going uh, on? <laughs> uh, the, la the, the, the two episodes of Contact TV that we just shot, shot I have, we have, because we are in the studio with that show, but I had two wonderful guests. I had the wonderful Kathleen Martin, who I've been talking about, who has a new book out herself, and uh, that was wonderful. And then we also had a um, animal psychic and meditation teacher and a psychic dog trainer uh, oh, named, wow. uh, yeah, named Jesse Sternberg, and he was absolutely wonderful. He's an author as well. And so um, so those are the most recent two shows, and they'll be coming up in, in the next month. They'll be posted Very to cool. our YouTube channel and on our various um, you know, podcast platforms. However that works. I'm just saying podcast platforms. It sounds <laughs> It's cool. just everything turns into podcasts. I don't know what yeah. the hell it means. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing to say now. Because for the long time and, I was saying my, my YouTube podcast it, thing. <laughs> yeah, the thing, our thing. Um, and one thing I would like to also say is that if you want to reach out to me, if, um, you know, you just something you want to tell me or ask about, you can always reach me by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, at lightworkhypnosis.com. And it may take me a few days, but I, I promise that I will, uh, I will get back to you and I will read your email and I would love to hear from you. And uh, even if you think it's a silly little thing, just, just ask me and, and uh, don't be afraid. Fear's the killer. There's nothing yes. to be afraid of. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Leslie. I will add, I'll actually add your YouTube to the description so people can just find the link automatically. And um, thank you so much for coming on. If you guys are going to be up late tonight, like I am at 930 Eastern, I have Lily Novik coming on. So I'll probably just take a quick tea and potty break. And then um, I guess meet me back here, guys, at 930 at Lily Nova's uh, scheduled link or whatever it is scheduled broadcast i don't know <laughs> i'm sorry guys whatever it is the thing i'll put it on my story <laughs> so you can have the link thank you so much leslie hang out for a minute after and thank you to everybody listening now later in the future in another dimension wherever you are thank you so much for your support have a great night <laughs>